Welcome to the School Business Leadership Podcast. Today, we are getting stuck into a complex and very personal topic, imposter syndrome. I chat with a business manager about how they got into the profession, challenges they faced on their journey, and the roller coaster that is the life of a school business leader. Buckle up, because here we go. And on today's episode, I'm joined by Shirley C. Ahmed. Shirley is a school business manager in a three-form entry local authority maintained primary school in South London and has been in post for six years this year. This is her first role within a school, but not within education. Prior to her school business management role, she worked in a local authority school improvement team, first working in 14 to 19 education from 2005, and later as the Traded Services business manager, developing and leading the LA Trade Services offered to schools from 2011. Shirley is currently part of the Women Ed cohort on the National College Senior Leadership Masters in School Leadership and Management Level 7 Apprenticeship. And before entering the world of education, Shirley works in food and drink sales marketing and has a degree in archaeology. Today, Shirley and I are going to be talking about imposter syndrome. Welcome, Shirley. Hi, Laura. How are you? Are you nervous? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. This is my uh, first experience of podcasting, so quite excited as well. And and looking forward to talking to you. I know. I feel like we know each other quite well, considering we've not known each other very long. I know. It's probably the impact of COVID, really. (laughs) You know, I think, I think, you know, how, despite how awful it's been over the last year, it's definitely opened a lot of of doors for me. And one of those was coming along to some of your sessions that you ran in the summer and your coaching group. And yeah, I, I think we've become firm friends, Laura. We have, and I'm so glad that you volunteered to kind of come on the podcast um, and tell us about your journey, because today you're talking about something quite personal, which is imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, So where does it start? Where are we started on your journey? So I worked in the local authority. I worked um, in the school improvement team, and, and because of the impact of austerity and all sorts of things, they were constantly restructuring and constantly trying to reduce the size of that team because they couldn't afford it um and one of the options that they came up with was running a traded service to schools and i um led on that because of my prior previous sort of commercial experience and and set that up for the council that i was working in and i worked closely with with schools for a long time um But one of the things that kept coming up when I was having conversations in my performance management and my personal development conversations was, um, where could I go with this? Because I'd never worked in a school. And so Mm -hmm. there seemed to be this this underlying set of rules that I wasn't aware of, that I couldn't Mm -hmm. possibly work with school leaders or with with teaching staff or, or, you know, look at coaching and things like that, because I hadn't been in a school. so really, I needed to get a job in a school in order to get required experience. And and how was I going to get a job in a school without either working as a, as a you know, lunchtime supervisor or or without a teaching qualification? And so, you know, I started looking around and kind of came across this profession, really, of, of school business <laughs> management. I thought, well, yeah, schools, management, that sounds like it's for me. So that's kind of how it started, really. Was there ever a plan to go back to the local authority? Um, possibly, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, it was definitely, I, it was a string to my bow. So it was, I needed mm-hmm. to do this so that people couldn't say I couldn't do that anymore. But yeah, actually possibly more towards some sort of consultancy or, or, you know, how I could add value. But yeah, it's just been, it's just been an amazing ride, actually. And I'm incredibly fortunate 
I think in the school that I work in and the the people I work with and the children that we have, but also um, recognizing the fact that I'm not just lucky, you know, that I have kind of driven that and been involved in that success has been really important for me from sort of a, you know, recognizing within myself, really. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? When I speak to business managers, I don't think anyone started out with my ultimate career goal is to be a school business manager we all kind of fell into it and stayed there yeah (laughs) Um, it's like once you're in you're never leaving (laughs) yeah and I think it's true actually because it is quite a new profession I would say Mm -hmm. and now you know you see people on Twitter who are saying you know they've got handles like they're they're an aspiring school business manager or they're doing courses whilst working Mm -hmm. in different environments and so that's a really positive measure I think for you know an industry or a part of an industry that is so niche, I would say. You know, yes. there's one of me, there's a hundred of everybody else. That's one yep. percent of the workforce. Um and you know, for people to to see that as a viable career option is amazing and I love it. And it's just how can how can we kind of push this further? And yeah, the way you kind of landed in kind of that role like you say if you were in the local authority you're working with an education mm-hmm. in, with a wider view so mm-hmm. what was it like trying to get into a school because you hadn't had a school background because I suppose you you weren't in the local authority they wanted you to have experience in schools but obviously mm-hmm. in a school they want you to have experience in schools don't they <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and so it was interesting really that uh, a job was advertised uh, while I was actually on maternity leave after having my second child so it wasn't that I was actively looking but um, it mm. just kind of came up at, around the right time. And it's actually my local primary school. And it's a right. school that my children go to now. And, um, you know, it's all, this is possibly a little bit close to home. But, you know, I'll I'll go in and have a look and, and see. And I, I met up with their existing business manager. And I really liked her. I think, um, I think she'd had to impact a lot of change in the school Mm -hmm. and I think that had been a tough journey um but I like the fact that she was down to earth and and you know sometimes pretty blunt which was helpful really in terms of understanding (laughs) how how schools operate and I think if you're in schools you know how schools operate but if you're outside of schools you're like okay that's interesting (laughs) yeah um so this job was advertised so I thought well I'll apply for it, you know, probably not really expecting a great deal, but I did my application form and, um, yeah, I was invited to interview, which was a bit frightening because I hadn't mm-hmm. been at work for a while because I was on maternity leave. So you're kind of out of that day-to-day loop. And and I guess that's where, you know, we talk about imposter syndrome. That's where I first started to question myself, you know, as I'd written my personal statement to tie in with the the person specification but you know one of the essential criteria was a certificate or diploma in school business management it's like well right. I don't have that mm-hmm. but I do have other qualifications that relate to management and finance mm-hmm. and marketing and surely those are sort of transferable so my big push really when I went for the interview was about if you want a fully formed school business manager then please don't employ me because I'm not that person. But what I have is this set of skills and experience, and I'm a very fast learner. So if you want somebody that knows how to use Sims, for example, I'm not that person. But give me a week, a bit of training, 
and a bit of time to look at it and I'll probably have a fair grasp of it. And that's kind of what happened. Um, the interview itself was just phenomenal. I mean, it was a proper two day thing. They did it almost like I've seen head teacher interviews happen where they have a first group of candidates on one day and then they invite um a smaller group of them back for the second day for the main final interview and presentation so it was it was pretty full-on for a a job that was it sounds very rigorous it was rigorous and obviously you know I look back on it now and they got the right person of course yeah so that worked well um but I think the thing is and and I think you know they they are very forward-thinking school and I think they were looking for someone that could bring those external experiences to the school context um yes. you know they know how to teach you know they understand what effective learning looks like and behavior strategies and those sorts of things and um, and what i do and i think it is still my role in the school is the kind of so what mm. you know or how do parents react to that and or, or, um, you know yes we're going to do this this and this but why are we doing that um and so that's the role i play on slt every week you know I go to every meeting (laughs) and we talk about reading strategies and we talk about all sorts of things and I'm just right in there getting involved in that so and for a personal perspective because it helps me to do my job supporting leadership of the school if I understand why those objectives are important so if somebody comes to me and says I want to spend three thousand pounds on this most important reading scheme Mm. instead of just the straight yes or no I can kind of understand the dynamic and the strategic pull of that. So it's it's important, really. It's interesting. So, you know, you, you went into this interview, it was a rigorous process, and you mm-hmm. were on paper not ticking the boxes, which is where you talk about the imposter syndrome. And you've gone from that to, like you say, being on the leadership team and being strategic and involved in all of those conversations. How did you get from there to there? Because I know it relies on your... I don't realize on your SLT being forward thinking and your head teacher encouraging, but that relies on you to step into that role as well, doesn't it? Yeah. And there is no doubt it was a baptism of fire. And I was very fortunate that the person that was leaving was leaving to move on to something completely different in her life. So she stayed for a bit of a handover period. And we basically did really intense day-to-day learning because although I'd done finance modeling and I'd done budgeting and I'd done forecasting, I'd never done it in a school model. You know, and I, I'd never mm. done my own finance returns and, and those sorts of things. So they're just things that you need to learn. But I think that's really important in recruitment is the difference between trainable skills and actual behaviours and values that really can drive your organisation forward. So, um, you know, there was a lot of learning and I... I had a headache quite a lot and I would wake up in the night and go oh no I haven't you know these things that wake you up yeah and the first the first year was hard you know mm. it was hard anyway working with new people I was managing a team mm. that um you know that pro- that saw me as management there was one member of the team said oh I can't talk to you about that because you're in management and I was like well right. I've worked with teams before I've led teams before and I kind of trust them to do their job. You know, I don't really mm. need to know the ins and outs of, you know, your check processing. I can do it yes. and I have those skills. And if I need to step in, I'll do it. But you're the expert in that area and I'm the expert in something else. So, um, yeah, it was Empowering people. Yeah. And there was some staffing issues. Um, and actually, I did have a, a member of the team that passed away during that year. And it it 
was a real baptism of fire of just holding mm. things together, supporting the rest of the team that had obviously been so closely impacted by the you know a loss of a friend and a colleague, but also keeping the day to day ticking over and and being able to you know navigate her filing system or lack of mm. you know and and understanding yeah. what happened with various things so. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, th- there were definitely points in that first year that I thought, maybe I'll just get this experience and move on. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, it's not an easy job. And I think mm. it takes a special kind of person. And I think, you know, the more I talk to people that do this sort of work, that are school business professionals, you just know that they will, you know, that they'll turn on a sixpence and take on anything. And, you know, we've seen that a lot during COVID and I think it's important to value that really. So I think that schools really are are unique places, pretty special places. And that's not just special in in inverted commas. Um, And what happened really during my first sort of experience was that there was a completely different management style to something that I'd never really experienced before. And I think you know, school leaders particularly have been often been in education since the age of four. Um, and yes. in many cases, have reached the pinnacle of their, their career. Um, mm. And sometimes lead in certain ways, which was a bit of a revelation to me. Um, but like I've said, I'm a fast learner. So it helped me to reflect and shape the way that I now work with people in my teams. And also, you know, influencing up, down, across, sideways, whatever. Mm. Um, in order, you know, to get people to do things and they think it's their idea, you know. Yes. And I think that's one of the key skills of a, a, a school business leader is that, you know, sometimes you're delivering bad news. Or sometimes you are saying, no, we really cannot afford to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And being able to turn that around in a positive and come up with alternatives is, is a, I think, quite a unique skill as well. And I suppose... Looking back on it now, you know, I thought I could probably wing it. You know, it was like, really, how hard can it be? (laughs) (laughs) And the answer to that question is actually really quite hard, (laughs) as it goes. Um, But someone said to me not long ago, you know, everyone's faking it, Shirley. And it's Mm -hmm. true. You know, you do. You you know, I faked it till I made it for a long, long time. And Mm. actually, I still do that because something new will come up. Well, COVID or free school meal vouchers or yeah, you know, all the sorts of th- issues that we've had to deal with recently or, or new ways of working. Um, mm. And you kind of have to accept in yourself that learning is not a bad thing. You know, it's good to be continually developing and that, you know, schools are learning organisations. So why shouldn't the staff within that organisation be doing that and benefiting, you know, from their own yeah. experiences? And I think there are a lot of skills within the profession. And historically, we've probably not been great at self-promotion. Why do you and think that is? Well, I I think originally, and you, you probably would know this more than me, Laura, but I think originally a lot of people that worked in school business leaders um, probably moved up from other administrative posts within the school. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely one of those. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, you know, in terms of their own self-worth and self-value, probably saw themselves as just the administrator, you know, Mm -hmm. and actually that's not what, that's not what 
these people are. You know, anybody that works in a support function in a school, it drives that engine. You know, yeah. there's no one. They can't sort of ensure good outcomes for children and young people. You can't give them great educational opportunities and, and life chances if the fundamental basics aren't ticking over, you know, if the staff aren't paid, if the toilets aren't cleaned, if the school lunches yes. aren't there, you know. And and I think it's really important that you're kind of embedding those strategies across the school. So, you know, talking to my team, a lot of the time it was about, you know, well, what do you do to improve the learning of the children? And I think for a yeah. while they struggled to make that connection. So, um, you know, I think everybody needs to be better at self-promoting. We all play a part in this journey which is important mm. and it's really I think the community has has really risen to the challenge of COVID like you say and yeah I hope and I believe that it should continue beyond this you know that we should as a profession that we should run with this and the momentum that we have and you know th- this podcast is about that raising the profile of the profession and the work that we do definitely I mean I think a real turning point for me came it was sort of spring 2018 really so I'd been mm. in the job for two full years um and there was this thing GDPR sort of kind of came on the horizon it just it was just awful and everybody was <laughs> just panicking it was like I don't know what to do I don't know what this means and there was no real single I think set some people of, are still panicking <laughs> I know but there was no single set of straightforward of instructions of actually this is no mm. big deal. It's pretty much what we always did before with a bit more accountability. Mm. So what you need to Im- implement is systems and processes, which, you know, we're really good at that sort of thing. So implement systems and processes to, you know, track what you're doing and how you're handling personal data. But that's not where we were. We were in a, oh, my goodness, can't do this too hard. Um, and we in my local cluster, we'd started a network not long before that. And we kind of met up for SBM meetings and had coffee and biscuits and talked about things. But there was never any sort of real driver or, or momentum to those meetings. You know, it was just mm. and people weren't very open about sharing some of their issues. I don't think people wanted to, you know, expose their vulnerabilities. You know, the faking yeah. it till you make it sort of thing. Especially, <laughs> so, I suppose, in in a local community where people know you or people that work at your school, it's harder, isn't it? Yeah, and some people will think their their school's better than yours, or vice versa. Yeah. You know, so I was yeah. like, I'm not really surprised that Shirley's doing it like that because you know. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but what happened with GDPR was, I think it was probably this collective fear <laughs> that gave us a project. And there was one person in that that had kind of got their head around it and said, hold on a minute, we can do something about this and we can develop something as a group. And mm. once we had something to work on, once we had a project and a target, it completely a common goal. Yeah, it completely changed the dynamics of that group. And mm. yeah, we did various things around data protection and we you know, sort of implemented certain strategies. But what happened after that within that network was there was I mean, I get emails every week from someone in that group saying, oh, what do you do about your lift? Or, oh, where do you get your window cleaning from? Or, oh, yeah. has anybody recontracted for multifunction devices? Mm. And people are much freer in sharing information, you know, who the local builder is, who the best person to clear your drains are, all sorts of yeah. things. Um, and that has been incredibly powerful. And that, for me personally, kind of, 
made me face this imposter syndrome a bit head on because I basically spent the last two years saying, oh, well, you know, I'm new to all this or I don't really understand how this works. So sorry, this might be a bit of a dim question, but why? (laughs) (laughs) And actually, there were bits that I knew quite a bit about and there were other bits that I didn't know anything about. And so that was it was just really helpful, you know, and I think Mm. of that I have made some of my closest friends as well um and it's being about being able to expose that imposter syndrome in yourself and say actually I think I'm kind of blagging it here am I on the right lines and not to feel any sort of fear about someone going oh ah Shirley's blagging it yeah. you know it's the just, judgment yeah yeah so that was that was amazing and you know, and I use those examples from my from my network in my school, you know, mm. and I and not because I'm I never name specific schools, but I talk about good and bad practice or things that people are doing better or worse or things that I've seen because I, you know, I go to more schools now. And that's the best bit yeah. of CPD you can get, actually, is just and and as a lone school business manager, one percent of the workforce sitting in your school in your office trying to balance your bank wreck you don't get that sort of exposure and so that I think is absolutely key and that will help for anybody aspiring or anybody who's um feels a bit like an imposter is just you know go and talk to people find people that can can help you either learn more or validate you and if you're nervous create you know, I know obviously GDPR kind of came along at the right time but you could create a project or, or a network with purpose that can kind of help foster and develop them conversations. Definitely. And I think it kind of, for me, my experience was further amplified again because of COVID. Mm. So, you know, I think we we had to deal with things very quickly um, that we'd never done before. We had to implement new strategies and come up with new plans and ways of working and support you know, the well-being of staff and our relationships with our families and and do all those things literally overnight. You know, there was no, if if we'd had to strategically plan for this, we'd have written it for six months to a year and still not (laughs) got any of the success that we managed to get because we are good at disaster recovery. And I think that's something as a profession, again, the way that we operate, it's something that should be advocated and shouted about. Mm, um, yeah, I like that. We're good at disaster recovery and, and crisis management. Yeah. And we always are because, you know, you could have a week's worth of tasks that involves, mm. I don't know, your monthly finance return and a bit of HR and, putting, you know, whatever, you know, doing your data protection audit. Um, but something could happen. You know, one, we had it once where the, the water was cut off. You can't yeah. not have any water in a primary school, you know. nobody can wash their hands or flush the toilet and yet we got everybody out of the school and home within two hours Mm. and it's an achievement yeah and and it's because we've got systems in place and there's definitely systems that I have implemented that will have supported that around comms and around marketing and about how we communicate with people Um, but it definitely makes a difference so when Covid came along you know I was working at home a lot and although I was busy the time pressures on me were slightly different in the fact that you're just not constantly at the beck and call of somebody coming to your office door. Mm. And because 
but kind of we had a bit of a blitz spirit didn't we particularly back in sort of March and April and Joe Wicks yeah. was doing his keep fit and you know everyone was doing cooking lessons and there was just Banana stuff going bread. on <laughs> yeah there's all this stuff going on and there was just loads and loads of free CPD yeah. you know on offer and I just did loads of it because I was interested and it was like this is a really good opportunity you know you don't have to go off to a conference for half a day it was never about the money so much it was about the time you know you can't go on courses all the time because you've got a job to do and so I did loads and loads of free CPD and although I'd been on Twitter for years actually I'd never really come across um the wonder of the SBL Twitter community and actually the wider education edu Twitter community, um, mm. which was a complete revelation to me, you know, that there were all these people sharing amazing best practice and, and you know, lots of um, perceptive, well-informed, confident inf- individuals that really knew what they were talking about. And I guess that's when I kind of had another jolt of reality and imposter syndrome because you know that would have been just under a year ago probably in the summer term yeah um and you're like crikey you know there's all these amazing people out there and I never never knew this you know and and you start listening to people and and you start hearing podcasts and you know someone like yourself who's quite um engaged in social media um mm. and and work works well across those platforms it was just like completely new to me and um yeah I I just loved it and yeah I do feel sometimes a little bit like the person at the side of the party you know because you know that people kind of know each other but you don't know how they know each other they don't know how well they know each other whether they've actually met in person or whether they've just created this online presence and so um you know it's just really interesting to watch that but I just get so much out of that and I think although it was a really horrendous time, you know, COVID, particularly at the beginning, I would say that that time up to Easter and then that summer term was just tough working for anybody in schools. And and I think, again, being isolated as an SBL, probably even more so for, for some of us. But actually, it was kind of if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, we learned so much more. Um we know that we can't do everything, but we know where to ask. And, yeah. you know, that we've all got something unique to con- contribute, really, to the party. So I guess that's kind of my my key recommendation to any new or aspiring SBL, is this find that supportive network, or in fact, find any network. <laughs> just start talking <laughs> to people, you know, just start talking and asking questions and sharing ideas. Um, because I think that the power in our community comes from our collective strength as unique professionals and you know we don't have that that um big infrastructure behind us that the teaching profession has you know and and yeah I think you know we stand alongside our colleagues you know supporting Mm. them to deliver these outcomes um and the only place we're going to get that empowerment and that endorsement at the moment is from from each other and hopefully some of the professional associations you know and their absolutely. work supporting that absolutely that the SBL community has 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 flourished you know under difficult circumstances but like you say I think we've pulled together and we are definitely stronger together um you know and like you say the online community if anyone's listening who isn't on 
on Twitter, you know, do come and do come and find us, you know, hashtag yes. SBL Twitter. Um, at the end, you know, we'll, we'll share our Twitter handle so you can find us as well. Um, we have SBL Twitter, SBL Connect, um, you know, we have SBL Tea Breaks. Um, you know, it's such a vibrant community. So yes, definitely, mm-hmm. if you are listening and not on there, come and find us. We are we are nice. We don't bite, do we? No. <laughs> no. no and I think you know the thing is is that you like we said before you move from other admin positions in schools often um yes. people do feel threatened by the magnitude of the task I mean it's a big ask how many other people kind of lead on finance HR health and safety procurement GDPR mm-hmm. catering and probably a thousand other things you know yep. absolute jack of all trades and I superheroes think, yeah exactly I frequently put my pants on outside my trousers and, <laughs> yes. and if I don't know the answer that's the thing I know who to go and ask yeah you know think, someone that does yeah and for the first few years I didn't and I think that kind of kind of built that imposter syndrome because it was like oh someone's going to catch me out soon <laughs> yeah because <laughs> I don't know and now I know that that's not a problem you know I just share that information it's interesting. Uh, um, sorry, I was just going to say it's interesting because the thing that, you know, you came to my SBL support sessions and you've mm-hmm. done my group coaching program. And it's interesting mm-hmm. that obviously those things have, you know, set objectives in terms of helping people with certain things. But the, the most common thing that everyone says is it's nice to know that we're not alone. Yeah. You know, when I hear people talking, I know I'm not the only one. And I think that's a really powerful thing. That's always something that comes up no matter what we're doing I think yeah you know if there's a group of us that is the benefit that we get and that is what you're saying isn't it you know the imposter yeah. syndrome is you know I'm not the only one that feels that way you know yeah it's okay yeah and schools are such unique and special places you know I would liken it to going abroad they do things differently <laughs> there you know, oh, yes. I like that. I like it's that. like a foreign country they do things a bit differently and if you have come from somewhere else you're just like what <laughs> yeah you know once you've been alien kind of, yeah but you you need to embrace that culture really and try and unpick mm-hmm. why it is the way that it is and then and then it all becomes clear and so then if people ask for things you know how you can then I suppose adapt your answer to say no in the most appropriate way <laughs> <laughs> oh yes but you know it is what it is and I think the thing for me and I just wanted to share this with you Laura because I thought it was brilliant a, 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 a little while ago, I saw um, an image of the Dunning-Kruger effect on Twitter. And it was actually not mm. nothing to do with SBLs. I think it was actually head teachers, But it really resonated with me. And um, I just thought it might be something that people might go away and have a look at. Because as soon as I saw it, I thought, mm-hmm, yeah, that was my journey. <laughs> it's still my <laughs> journey. I don't know if it's the same for you. Um, but back at the end of, you know, just before the millennium, uh, these two professors, Dunning and Kruger, they published a paper which was called Unskilled and Unaware of It. <laughs> I, just, I just love that. It was how difficult is it? How difficult is in recognizing one's own incompetence leads to inflated self-assessments. <laughs> I just thought, yeah, you know, that is it. The fake it till you make it, the imposter syndrome. But actually, I didn't have any difficulties in recognizing my own incompetence. It was quite clear. But <laughs> They talk about a phenomenon, really, um, where you get people that have very little knowledge of a particular subject, but are supremely confident and outspoken on it. Um, 
And, you know, we see that all the time. We'll know people in our personal lives. We know people like this. (laughs) On Question Time and on Twitter, that there's lots of people that, you know, know, that are very good at overinflating themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing is, from a, you know, sort of joking aside, the the lack of knowledge, these two things, at firstly, it gives you very little idea of what you're actually doing or talking about. And secondly, this sense of confidence that you have makes it impossible to realise just what you don't know. So you don't know what you don't know literally. Exactly. So and that's it, you know, it's because I didn't know what I didn't know. It was like this is fine. How how hard can it be? So <laughs> they as part of their model, they had a graph and it, it it's just I mean, you have to, obviously this is you know a podcast and it's should really be a visual mm. medium, but I recommend that people go and have a look at it. But um it starts basically with a um two axes where it has um confidence from low to high on one axis and Mm. wisdom which is knowledge plus Mm -hmm. experience from low to high across the bottom axis and what happens when you start in a row is that you start at mount stupid actually where (laughs) confidence is really high but wisdom is low um right and i think it's fairly easy to see how this could happen and there's sbls i can see it in ourselves all the time you know you start to learn a new skill your progress is quite rapid. You know, I turned up on time. I could open Sims. I mean, really, this is, you know, this is great. You know, I know how to order a lunch. <laughs> I've seen parent pay. There isn't really anything else to do. So you learn really quickly. You're learning every day and you're making progress really fast. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it all. How hard can it be? Mm. And you do feel confident and it it that's empowering. And, you know, you kind of draw in some of your previous experiences and that's really great. And you feel, oh, yeah, I've got this. And then all of a sudden, and this is exactly what happened to me, there was this dawning realisation that there is so much more to this than I thought there was. And (laughs) plunging down into the valley of despair, where you kind of, which is their second term that they use, which is, you know, I'm never going to understand this. And, you know, it is a big job. Being an SBL covers a lot of territory. Mm. And, you know, you kind of, you know, you talk about jack of all trades, but yeah, actually, you do need to be quite expert in a lot of those as well. Um, But, you know, you start to make sense of things and you move up this slope of enlightenment, as they call it, and eventually your confidence grows towards what they they refer to as the plateau of sustainability. So you're back on top of your game, your confidence is higher, your wisdom is higher. So you've gone through that whole journey of feeling great and then really not great and thinking you're going to get caught out and then coming back up to it. And you know, on reflection, I'm following that path with every single new initiative. So yeah, every, we must go through this many times. Yeah. So it's not just that, oh, right, this is the life cycle of a, this job and you go down, you plunge, you get to the top and you know everything. Because the trouble is the rules change all the time. You know, yes. the expectations change. You know, something as simple as doing um, the SFBS which, mm. you know, schools' financial value standard, which schools have to do every year. Last year, a new model was introduced, which we started to use just before a pandemic. And nobody could work out which set of data they were supposed to be using. And even now, people don't actually know which set of data they're going to be using. So, you know, you can look at that on, on Twitter and, you know, somebody will be using last year, somebody's using the current, somebody's using quarter floor plus quarter one, two and three. And it's just all over the place. So you kind of constantly trying to reflect and say, OK, what do I need to know and how will it take me and my school further on our journey to success? I love that. 
I was just looking, you know, I've, I've got a picture of the diagram and actually what I'll do is I will put it on the show notes with this episode, definitely. Um, and I'm just looking at it and it's like you say, it's, that, it's the peak, it's the, it's the dip and then it's the, the peak again. Yeah. And, you know, every time I do a Friday gift, inevitably someone always puts a picture of a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think that might be why. <laughs> yeah, I think it is, you know, and I think the thing is, is after all of this, I mean, you know, I, refle- I reflected on this quite a lot, obviously, before talking to you. Um, and I think it is true. We are imposters. We don't know it all and we are faking it. But the important thing mm. is, and I think the really key thing for school business leaders is that we know that we are working learning organisations. So we know that's the only way we can learn and improve. Yeah. And that actually everyone's doing it anyway. We're just really good at it. <laughs> we have a level of self-awareness that maybe mm. some people you know don't have you know when we were talking yeah. at the other end of the Dunning-Kruger effect yeah we have we at least have the self-awareness that yeah. helps us to kind of venture out yeah. um, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking yes this sounds like me but I can't seem to get out of the valley of despair mm-hmm. what would you say to them what should they do I think they need to try and talk to someone I mean mm. I think you find your networks where you find them I'm very fortunate in where I work that I have a good professional network of colleagues within the school that Mm. I can bounce ideas off I've got you know I've built a network around me outside of the school where I can ask questions without feeling like a complete idiot so I think you need to find someone to help because it is such an isolating job if you don't have a support network you know Mm. you are absolutely alone and often expected to front up to governors and all sorts of people with (laughs) auditors with information and, you know, you, can, you you need a bit of self-care, I think. And part of that in my journey has been about allowing myself to lean on others, you mm. know, and ask someone like you, you know, question, you know, I've got yeah. this issue. What would you do, Laura? Um, um, mm. And just hearing somebody tell you that you're not completely mad is probably part of the solution. I was going to say, sometimes that's all we need. If, I, yeah. I think I've got the solution, but can I just sense check it and make sure I haven't gone mad? Yeah. And then when someone goes, no, you're not mad, you get indignant and you go, see, I knew I wasn't mad. It's them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, somebody said to me once, you know, what's it like being an SBL? And I just said, yeah, you know, it's like, just look at them a bit and raise your eyebrows and say, it's it's just, it's complicated. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not go there. (laughs) Yeah. Because you can't, you can't sum it up in, in one or two sentences, really. No. So we've talked a lot about networks, you know, Mm -hmm. and like I said, if if someone needs help or if someone's got any questions, how would they get in touch with you, Shirley, if they wanted to speak to you more? Where can they find you? So I'm on Twitter, Shirley C. Ahmed. um, And yeah, Twitter, I think is probably the best place and things. (laughs) I was going to say, don't give out your phone number, Shirley. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, on Twitter is probably the best way. And also... but, you know, when you do that, if you want to, you can obviously DM me, but if you want to do it in an open post, definitely put mm. hashtag SBL Connect, SBL Twitter, because other people yeah. will have answers to we'll these questions. You. Yeah. Yes. And I'll other people you. who are much more skilled at me than me will have better ideas. So it's a really good way of kind of broadening those networks and, and getting those opportunities for yourself. 
So if anyone's listening who's going to join Twitter and, and goes and follows Shirley and comes to find me as well at Laura LJ Business, um, do make yourselves known to us and, and let us know if you've listened to the podcast and if that's how you found us, because I'm hoping that we are persuading our community to grow here, Shirley. Yes, I hope so too. I, I hope we have an influx of people on Twitter. I really yeah. do. No, it'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today. Um, I know it's a personal thing, imposter syndrome, and I think mm-hmm. you've, you, you've covered it really well and I'm sure it's inspired so many people and they are left with that feeling of it's not just me (laughs) yeah I think it's important and I think you know you just you need to find the support where you can get it and I don't think our times are going to get any easier you know there's only Mm going to be more and more pressures you know I think there's going to be big financial pressures coming the way of schools Mm post-covid I think we're going to have to lean on each other more and more so come and find us yeah (laughs) Okay, Shirley. Um, so we'll leave it there. And thank you again for joining me. I've really thank enjoyed it. Thank you, Laura. It's been great. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Shirley as much as I did. If you're listening and you're feeling alone, then please reach out. I'm always happy to tell a school business leader they're not going mad, it's everyone else. If you haven't joined Twitter, why not? You can find Shirley's details and mine in the show notes on my website at www.ljbusinessofeducation.co.uk. Remember, this show is available in all of the podcast directories. Just make sure you hit the subscribe button in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. And if you listen to today's episode and you're on social media, let me know what you think. Aside from Twitter, you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook under the same name at Laura LJ Business. See you next week.